Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Hey, thanks for the invitation, Joel. I really appreciate it. My wife, we're happy to be out here with you guys and want to just spend some time together looking into God's Word and really looking at the very last verse in Galatians. As Paul had written a letter to the Galatian people, and he closes with, with this verse. It's Galatians 6, 18. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Now, to understand why Paul closes the letter with this verse, because it's a really powerful verse. It's personal and it's powerful. But to really understand its power, we've got to really understand the book of Galatians. And so today we're just going to look at some highlights of the book, book of Galatians. Uh, certainly don't have time to go through it all, but I think if we hit the highlights, we'll understand why Paul concludes with this, um, this verse. So let's open up uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. <laughs> you told me, Joel. There you go. Um, and Paul says this in Galatians 1, 1 through 2. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by men, but, uh, nor by, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me. So Paul's an apostle. An apostle is someone sent on a mission with a message. And so we see in here that Paul was not sent from any human being, and we'll learn later that his message was not from any human being, that his mission and his message came from Jesus Christ and God the Father. And so if we look down in Acts 26, 17 through 19, we, we see Jesus sending Paul. We see the message that he's sending Paul to deliver. In Acts 26, 17 through 19, Paul, uh, Jesus says, I am sending you, Paul, to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by, uh, by faith in me. So we see that the, 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 the mission he's sending Paul, we see the message that he's sending Paul to proclaim the forgiveness of sins and that people who put their faith in Jesus are purified or cleansed from all sin. So it's complete forgiveness and complete cleansing by faith. And so that's the message. For most of my life, I thought forgiveness was something God was waiting on me to ask him for. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Please forgive me. And so I spent my life asking God to forgive me until I understood the message of the gospel of grace. In the message of the gospel of grace, we're not the ones who ask God to forgive us. God is asking us to receive his forgiveness, the proclamation of the forgiveness of sins. Christ died for all your sins. His blood was shed for all your sins. That's the message. We accept the message by faith. So we don't ask for forgiveness we simply accept forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. And when we accept through faith in Christ the forgiveness of our sins, then we're cleansed from all sin or we're sanctified or purified, as this verse says. So this is the mission that was sent out 
uh, Paul was sent out on and the message that he was sent to deliver. Galatians 1, 11 through 12, Paul says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. So, that, so what we just looked at in Acts, that's, that's not of human origin. It's, it's not a message that, that man came up with. He said, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So Paul makes it really clear that the message he's proclaiming of complete forgiveness and complete righteousness or purification or sanctification is a message that was given to him by Jesus and that now he was taken out to give to the world. And so once people hear the message by faith, they receive, receive uh, forgiveness and they receive sanctification or righteousness, faith in Christ. Acts 20, 24, Paul stresses this more. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul had one mission, and he had one message sent by one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, Paul, Jesus defined this gospel as the gospel of grace. So what's the gospel of grace? It's through Christ, receive the forgiveness of sins. Through Christ, be cleansed of all sin and stand righteous before God, forgiven before God for eternity. So that's the message and that's the mission. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, we get a little insight into his understanding of grace says, to the praise of his glorious grace. So Paul's really clear. It's not my grace, Paul is saying. It's his glorious grace. It's his amazing grace, his wonderful grace, his marvelous grace. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the beloved. It's free. Grace is free. And it comes in the person of Jesus Christ. So, so it's free to us. And he's asking us to receive this, this free good news of grace. He defines grace, says, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood. He defines redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So grace is the forgiveness of our trespasses. It's the forgiveness of our sins that have come to us in the beloved one in Jesus. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and all understanding. So the gospel of grace is God lavishing upon us his complete forgiveness. He's lavishing upon us his righteousness. We see that grace is the work of God in Christ. We see that grace is the wealth of God in Christ. That's the riches. And we see that grace is the wisdom of God through Christ. To forgive us of all sins and to make us righteous in his sight. Clean in his sight forever. So Paul's on a mission with a message of grace, and we see him talk a little bit about it in 2 Corinthians 4.15. He says, all of this is for your benefit, meaning everything that he went through on his missionary journey, says everything that I go through is to get to you the good news of God's grace. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So how will people come to understand how great God is? You know, we sang songs this morning about the greatness of God and the glory of God. What, what, is, what is the content 
that would cause somebody to say, God, you're amazing and you're wonderful and, and, and you're marvelous is grace. See, unless somebody truly understands the gospel of grace, they will never understand the greatness of God. Because the gospel of grace and the, grace, great, uh, and the greatness of God are linked together in Scripture. So you see, as the gospel of grace went out to more and more people, then the hearts of people begin to say, God, thank you for your grace, gratitude, and God, your grace. Grace results in gratitude toward God and seeing the greatness of God. That's the message that Jesus sent Paul out to share. So Paul goes on his first missionary journey, and he, he comes to uh, Pisidian Antioch, which is a city in Galatia, Lystra, Derby, Iconium, or also three other cities in Galatia that he journeyed into. And we got just a snippet of his first recorded message. So he's on his first missionary journey, and we get a snippet of his first recorded message. It's exactly what Jesus told him to teach. Look at this. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Notice what he's not doing here. He's not saying, hey, you need to ask God to forgive you. He said, that's not what he said. He said, listen, I'm proclaiming to you the good news that Jesus Christ has died for all of your sins. And by faith or belief in Jesus, you receive that forgiveness. That's the good news of the gospel. He's sharing this with those in Galatia. Through Jesus, everyone, so the gospel of grace is for everybody. Grace covers everybody. The blood of Jesus Christ was poured out for everybody. That through him, everyone who believes, not asks, believes has faith, trusts, is set free from every sin. So the grace of God is for everybody and it covers every sin. There's no sin that anybody has committed or will commit that the cross of Jesus Christ did not pay for that sin. The blood of Jesus Christ did not propitiate or, or, or pay the full payment for that sin. It's everybody and every sin. And Paul is saying it's, it's, it's the message of grace. He says, just believe it. Trust it. He says, through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. See, the law of Moses was a system of works. The law of Moses was a system of daily trying to stay forgiven, of daily trying to stay holy of daily trying to stay righteous. It was a system of religious works, of effort and of trying, and somehow in this effort and this trying and this behavior that God would find it in his heart to forgive me and to cleanse me of righteousness. And I may have got that on day one, but on day two, I've got to start again. And all the sins that were missed for the whole year of Israel was the Day of Atonement. So if you happen to miss a sin during the year, the Day of Atonement covered all the missed sins of the previous year. But then you start over the next day. There, there was nothing eternal about it. There was nothing uh, complete about it. It was perpetual forgiveness. It was perpetual cleansing. It was all temporal. Nothing eternal and nothing complete. So that's the message that Paul took into Galatia. 
When Paul gave this message in Acts 13, 38 through 39, the response of the people was unbelievable. The people came up to Paul after the message that day and said, Paul, they begged Paul, will you please come back next Sabbath, because they met uh, in, in the synagogue, and will you share more about the good news of God's grace with the people in our town? And they urged him and they, they begged him to come back. And the Bible says that the following Sabbath, nearly the whole town turned out to hear the message of grace. See, I'm convinced that the way you reach the community, as important as strategy is and as important as um, having the right music is and, and having the right ministries, uh, as important as those things are, and they're extremely important, those only exist as avenues to communicate the gospel of grace. So when the gospel of grace is communicated, people will invite their friends back to hear it because it's something they've never heard before. And it's life-changing. It's transformational. There's no need for an evangelistic campaign. It's just... It happened in, in Galatia. The people were so changed by grace in one message that they invited the whole town back, and the, nearly the whole town came out the next Sunday to hear about grace. So you see the excitement that was going on in this city in Galatia. They were pumped about grace. They were changed by grace. And all of a sudden, you know, Paul leaves, and he goes back to his home church, and he gets word that, you know, Paul, the excitement that the people in Galatia once had for the gospel of grace, that they were fully forgiven forever and completely cleansed forever, that excitement is now gone. And that's what he writes about here in Galatians 1, 6 through 7. Paul said, I'm astonished. I remember when I came to you and I preached this message of of forgiveness in Christ and righteousness in Christ. And I remember when you invited the whole town out to hear the message. And I remember the excitement of the whole town when they came out to hear the good news of grace freely given us in Christ. I remember how excited you were. He said, he said now I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel, <clears throat> which is no gospel at all. And he says, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the, uh, the gospel of Christ. So some people would always, whenever Paul went into towns to share the good news of grace that Jesus sent him to share into cities, men from Jerusalem who loved the law of Moses would either go in behind him and try to undo grace by putting people back under law, or they would go before him to plant seeds in those whom would hear Paul when he came to ruin the reputation of Paul before he ever got there to share the good news of grace. Paul was hated by the religious leaders from Jerusalem. You can read about that in Acts. You can read about it in his letters. They were turning people away from Paul, and they were turning people away from grace. They were saying, hey, if you really want to be forgiven, you got to keep asking. you got to keep trying. You gotta, you, it's, not, it's not complete. It's continual. It's, it's not eternal. It's temporal. And you've got to stay forgiven every day, and you've got to stay clean every day. The law. 
They were setting aside grace. We see Galatians 2.21. I do not set aside the grace of God, Paul said. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So they set aside grace. Galatians 5.4. You who are trying to be justified, you who are trying to, to earn forgiveness, to stay forgiven, to stay clean, to stay in fellowship with God, to stay right before God, you who are trying to be justified by the law, or a system of works, have been alienated from Christ. So not only did they set aside grace, he says you have fallen from grace. See, I used to think to fall from grace meant to live a life of sin, to turn my back on God and to live a life of immorality. Actually, to fall from grace is to turn away from the cross of Christ for forgiveness and righteousness and try to stay forgiven and righteous by a works-based mentality, by an effort, by trying to make sure all my sins are confessed so I can stay forgiven, trying to make sure I read my Bible every day so I can be right with God and abide in Christ. And it's effort. It's trying to do what Christ has already done. It's trying to earn what's free. Remember, grace is what he's freely given us in Christ. And we just enjoy it and live in it and believe it. And it changes us from the inside out. So they had turned away from grace and they went back to the law. So in Galatians, Paul then uses Peter as an example. Peter, God had been working with Peter to try to get him to move away from the law and into grace. As we read in Acts, we can see the transition, the difficult transition that Peter had moving from law to grace. And coming out of Acts chapter 10, we think, yeah, he's finally made that transition. He's, he's, God's given him a dream and a vision and orchestrated an event that would uh, help him see and understand that it's all about grace and the cross of Jesus and nothing about the law of Moses. But P- Peter turned from the cross and went back to the law. And we see this in, in um, it should be a Galatians all these actually are going to come up. They're going to say Acts. That's my, that's my mistake. They should be Galatians. Galatians 2, 11 through 13 says, When Peter came to Antioch, Paul said, I opposed him to his face because he stood to be condemned. For before certain men came from James, that's the author of the book of James, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So James sent men into Antioch. That's the first church that Paul was a part of and helped establish with Barnabas. Uh, Acts chapter uh, 11. So, so James heard that, boy, these, these Gentiles are, are not relating to God by grace or by law. They're, they're relating to God by grace. So James sends men to correct the problem. So before these men came from James, Peter was living in grace. But when the men came from James, the spiritual leaders from Jerusalem, he ceased living in grace and went back to the law. Paul had to confront him to his face before everybody. Before certain men came from James, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself for fear of those of the circumcision group. That's the Jews. That's those living under the law of Moses. They're they're from Jerusalem, and they've come to Galatia. Remember how the people were in Pisidian Antioch about grace? They heard about the excitement. That, hey, we got to get somebody there, and we got to get these people under the law. And it happened. They were so persuasive 
that Peter said, you know what? It's not about grace. It's not about the cross. It's not about belief in Jesus. It's about the, our behavior under law. It's not about the eternal blood of Christ that was shed for the eternal forgiveness of all people. And we believe we receive it. It's about continually trying to stay right and forgiven before God by a works mentality, a religious system. So he was persuaded. He, Peter craved the acceptance of the religious leaders. He, when we crave the acceptance of religious leaders, we will turn our back on the grace of God given us in Christ. We will crave their acceptance. When, when we come to the belief that, yes, all my sins are forgiven forever, eternally, and I'm eternally righteous before God, I'm eternally clean before God because of the blood of Christ. When we begin living in that, and break away from the traditions of man that says you have to stay forgiven, you have to stay right, you have to do this. This is what you need to do every day if you're going to be in right relationship with God and close to God and in fellowship with God and stay forgiven before God. We will experience rejection. But if we crave their acceptance, we will turn our back on the eternal work of Christ and the good news of grace and we'll go back to the traditions of man. Because we crave their acceptance. That's what Peter did. Remember, Peter was so afraid of the, of, the, of the girl around the fire. Fear controlled his life. Fear. Peter says the other Jews joined in his hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. I want us to understand this. Paul was in Tarsus before Acts 11. A church had been start, was started in, in Acts 11. And Barnabas is like, so many people are coming to faith in Jesus. I need somebody to help me help them grow. He says, I've got to go get Paul. And so Paul rushes, I mean, Barnabas rushes to where Paul is living. And he brings Paul back to Antioch. It's a different Antioch than the one in Assyria or, or the one in Galatia. And, and Barnabas and Paul began to disciple and teach the people about the grace of God, about all that Jesus had did for them on the cross. This is happening not in Galatia, in, in, in Galatians 2, 11 through 13. Paul's recounting a story of what happened in the church in Antioch in Acts 11. Peter had come down there and joined Paul and Barnabas. And suddenly Peter went back to the Jews who were living in Judaism when men sent from James came. And when, when Peter went back to the law, it was so persuasive that Barnabas, that's why, that's why Peter, uh, Paul says here, even Barnabas turned his back on grace and went back to the law. Barnabas is the one who went to get Paul. Barnabas is the one who was with Paul in Acts 13, sharing the good news of grace with the people. Barnabas is the one whom, along with Paul, they said, will y'all come back next week, next Saturday, next Sabbath, and will y'all tell more and more people about the grace of God? And suddenly, even Barnabas craves the acceptance of the religious crowd so much 
that he turns his back on the eternal work of Christ and he goes back to the perpetual, continual, trying to stay right with God under the law of Moses. So in his communication to Peter, should be, should be Galatians 2.16. Paul says, we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ. That's the message Jesus sent him out to teach. Forgiven and righteous is the word justified. And not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified, but by the work of Christ, every sin can be forgiven, and every person can be forgiven, and every body can be righteous before God simply by faith, but under the law, no one can. Peter had gone back to the law. The Galatians had gone back to the law. Galatians 2, 19 through 21. Paul says to Peter, he's, he's, he's talking to Peter. This is part of his conversation with Peter. He says, Peter, for through the law, I died to the law. Peter, you've gone back to the law. I've died to the law. So that I might live for God. We can't live in relationship with God and live by the law. It's an impossibility. Because the law is a ministry of condemnation, and the grace of God and the cross of Jesus is a ministry of reconciliation. And when we live by faith in what Jesus did, we live reconciled to God. But if we truly live by the law, we're going to always live in condemnation. We, and and look, most of us aren't living by the law of Moses today. But if you're like me, for many years I lived with a law-based mentality a works-based mentality. I've got to read my Bible today. If I don't, I'm not right with God. If I don't, I feel guilty all day. So, so it wasn't the blood of Christ who took care of my guilt. It was my works under my law that took care of my guilt. I've got to ask for forgiveness today so I don't feel guilty and so I do feel clean. No longer depending upon the blood of Christ. It's the law of bread I'm living under now. And it was a law of condemnation. Because no matter what, at the end of the day, it was like, I blew it again. I blew it. I got I to start over again tomorrow. That's the law of Moses, basically. Um, so I died to those things. When, when God helped me understand the fullness of what Jesus did on the cross, I died to trying to stay forgiven, and I died to trying to stay guilt-free, and I realized that the blood of Christ took care of it all. I am forgiven. And I am clear, clean, and I am cleared of, of all wrongdoings for all time. Still love the Bible, still read the Bible. My whole life is built on Scripture. But I don't feel the guilt of, boy, I have to read it today to stay right with God, and I have to confess sins. I still talk to God about my shortcomings. But I say, God, I thank you that I'm forgiven. And I thank you that the blood of Christ has cleansed me from all sin. And I am right with you, not because of anything I've done, but because of everything Jesus did for me. And the relationship finally began to change me and transform me, which I've been trying to do for years. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. When Christ died, the law died, Ephesians chapter 2. He said, I no longer live trying to stay right with God by the law. Christ now lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body. But I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul didn't live by the law of Moses. He lived, by, he lived by the love of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't live trying to make himself right with God. He did that for years as a Pharisee. 
He didn't try to live trying to stay forgiven by God. His whole life was now consumed by the love of Jesus poured out from him at the cross. And he understood that the blood of Christ forgives of all sins and cleanses from all sin. And it's eternal the moment you place your faith in Christ. And it's not a continual thing. And it changed him. And then he says to Peter, I do not set aside the grace of God. Peter, you set aside grace. He said, if, if I set aside grace, then I'm setting aside the love of Christ. If I set aside grace, I'm setting aside the blood of Christ. He said, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness, if staying forgiven, if staying right, if staying clean before God could be gained or earned through the law, or through any human effort, then Christ died for nothing, right? Think about it. Under the law of Moses, there was daily forgiveness, correct? There was yearly forgiveness. There was daily sanctification. Well, if, if, if forgiveness and righteousness and sanctification was to be done daily, God had a program for that. God needed something to eternally deal with sins and to make us eternally righteous. And he did that through the blood of Jesus. That's what the book of Hebrews is about. It's about the new covenant. It's about the eternal redemption, Paul says in, in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 9. So Paul asked a question to the Galatians. Galatians 3.1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who, have, who has bewitched you? He says, I know who bewitched Peter. It was the men sent from James. That's who tricked him. That's who got him to go back to the law and away from grace. That's, that's who got him. But who tricked y'all? Who's confusing you guys? I remember when I was with you for the first time and I spoke at the, at the synagogue and the excitement and the joy that grace produced in you so much that you invited the entire town out to come hear me talk more about the blood of Christ and the good news of Jesus. He said, who, who's bewitched you now? He says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. They didn't see the crucifixion of Jesus, but Paul described it to them. He said, I clearly described to you the scene of the cross. I described to you the thorns on the head of Jesus. I described to you the beating that he took, the whip to his back the blood pouring from him because of the flogging that he took. He said, I described to you the nails that were placed in his hands and the nail that was placed in his feet and the blood that was pouring. And I, I, I explained to you the pain and the suffering that Jesus experienced so you could be eternally forgiven, so that you could be eternally righteous. He said, you saw it, and you loved it, and you believed it, and it changed you, and you were living in forgiveness, and you were living in righteousness, and you were inviting people to come hear more about what Jesus did, the eternal work of Christ. He said, but the people from Jerusalem, they performed the same religious trick on you that they performed on Peter. They made grace disappear before your very eyes. And appearing in its place was the law of Moses. And that happens a lot in churches all over the world. 
On one hand, we teach Jesus paid it all, but then on the other hand, we say, but you need to still keep asking for forgiveness. Well, either he paid it all or he didn't. If he paid it all and I believe it, then I'm forgiven. There's no more keeping on. Jesus didn't die so we could keep staying forgiven. He died so we could be forgiven. And that's life changing. Paul uses Jewish scripture, uses Peter as an example, uses Jewish scripture as an example that we're made righteous by believing. He appeals to Abraham from Genesis 15:6. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. But the behavior of Abraham had an ounce of faith. In 15:6, he believed God, but the rest of it, he's trying to make things happen. Hey, all God needs is just an ounce of faith. And he says, you're forgiven. You're righteous. You're clean. Even though we blow it the rest of the time, many times, God says, I remember that day you placed your faith in me. Forgiven, righteous. I declared you righteous. I declared you forgiven. He appeals to Jewish scripture, Deuteronomy 27, 26, Habakkuk 2, 4. He's quoting in these verses that the law will only make you accursed. The law can't do anything for you. The law can't make you righteous. It's only those who have faith that are righteous. See, they had gone back to the law. Paul explains the purpose of the law in Galatians 3, 23 through 26. It says, but before faith came, before the cross came, before Jesus came, we were kept in custody under the law. All the law can do is lock us up. It locked up the man in Romans chapter 7, 7 through 25. He's trying to obey the Ten Commandments. He's trying to obey the number, number 10 on the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. And he said, the more I tried not to covet, the more I coveted. All kind of different ways of coveting, envy and jealousy. He said, the more I tried to obey the law, the more I disobeyed the law. And that's the purpose of the law. Paul says in Romans 5.20 that God gave the Ten Commandments, not so that we would sin less, but so that we would sin more. Because how will I know I need a Savior unless I first discover that I'm a sinner? And the law of God was given not to save us, but to show us that we were sinners. And the law of God was given to lead us to Christ, who is the Savior who died for sinners. And through his blood, we're forgiven of all sins. And our identity changes from being a sinner and out of being a saint. We're holy ones. That's why Paul always writes to believers. He never refers to them as sinners, saved by grace. He always says, you're saints, you're holy, you're righteous, you're forgiven. He's identifying based upon who they are because of what Christ did. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, show us our sins so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. We're no longer under the law. We're no longer under the Ten Commandments of trying to obey those. All they do is increase sin and, and condemn for sin. For you all sons of God through faith in Jesus. Then Paul explains redemption from the law in Galatians 4, 4 through 6. But when the time had fully come... God had promised in the Old Testament that there's going to be a day, there's going to be a time, we know it as Isaiah 53, that the Messiah is going to come, the Christ is going to come. There are other prophecies that talks about this coming Messiah, this coming Christ, this Savior King. And he's going to come and he's going to die for the sins. All the sins of the world are going to be placed upon him. The punishment we deserve was placed upon him. And it says so that he would justify many in Isaiah 53. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, that's Mary, born, born under the law, that's the law of Moses, to redeem or to set free those under the law, that we might receive our adoptions as sons. 
And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. See, Jesus came not only to die for all of our sins, but he came to set us free from trying to be forgiven, from trying to be righteous, from effort, because he did it all. It's either I'm going to be dependent upon the work of Christ, or I'm going to be dependent upon the work of Brad. And for me, for most of my life, I mixed them together. As if my works were somehow could attain, could make up for the work that Jesus didn't do. That's the, that's the mentality that Paul was writing about. See, why did Jesus forgive us of all sins? And why are we completely righteous before God? It says in this verse that he redeemed us from the law and God sent the spirit of Christ into our hearts so we could call God Abba, Father. See, God wants his spirit living in you. God doesn't want me living by law of effort and trying. That's doomed for failure. God wants his spirit living in you and me. And for the spirit of Christ to indwell the heart of mankind, our hearts have, have to be cleansed. If all my sins aren't forgiven and I'm not completely righteous before God, then the spirit of Christ cannot live in me. And if there's one sin that I still need to ask for forgiveness of, or if every day I need to stay forgiven, then I, I'm, Christ is going to be coming in and out of my heart, right? Because he can't dwell in an unholy heart. That's why the blood of Christ cleansed from all sin for all time. I remember when Becky and I first started dating, some of the same is true for you guys. I didn't have the nicest of cars. It's old Honda, old, old Toyota. Even though it wasn't the nicest on the outside, I did my best to clean it on the inside because somebody special was going to get in that car. I cleaned it. I vacuumed it. I washed it inside and out because she was going to get in and we were going to go out on a date, right? See, Jesus, in order to live in our hearts, the Father had to cleanse our hearts of all sin for all time. Why are we forgiven and why are we righteous so that we could be reconciled? If I'm not forgiven and I'm not righteous, then I'm not reconciled. Or if I am forgiven and righteous and tomorrow I'm not, then I'm unreconciled. So the cross cleansed from all sin, forgives for all sin, so that we could call God Abba Father. Galatians 5, 16, but if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. See, God doesn't want you and me led by any kind of law. Man's law, traditions of men. He wants us being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is never going to lead anybody back to the law of God. The Spirit of Jesus is not going to lead somebody to what the cross of Jesus set people free from. Right? The Spirit would then be working against the Son. See, the son died for all sin, forgave from all sin, and re re redeemed from all sin, and released from the law so that the Spirit of Christ could live in us. And you know where the Spirit of Christ is, who the Spirit of Christ is going to lead us to? The Father. The same relationship that Jesus had with the Father on earth is the exact same relationship you and I have with the Father. 
The cross is much more than just forgiving us of sin and making us righteous. It's wonderful that is. The resurrection and the ascension, the other part, half of the gospel, is so that the spirit of Christ could live in us so that we can call God Abba Father. You're in relationship with God if you've come to faith in Christ as my loving father. Now, what's he like? Galatians 5, through 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. The spirit is Christ, right? If you ever want to know what Jesus is like, he's, he's full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So when the spirit leads us, he leads us to the love of the father. Remember what Jesus said? Not only does the father love me, but he loves you. In John chapter 17, and as much as the Father loves me, I want you to also know that he loves you just as much as he loves me. Jesus is, is trying to teach the disciples about the new covenant. The new covenant is to bring us into relationship with the Father, where we're in a love relationship, where I'm not trying to stay forgiven, and I'm not trying to stay righteous. I'm spending my days enjoying a relationship with Abba Father because I am forgiven and I am righteous. That's how Jesus lived. And it says, as, we're led, as the Spirit leads us to the love of the Father, the love of the Father begins to come in us and, be, and flow out of us. And so fruit, the fruit of love begins to, to flow. The fruit of love begins to flow. Law doesn't. Law never changes the heart. It says, hey, here's what you're expected to do, and if you don't, you're condemned. Grace says, here's what Jesus did, and because of what he did, you're not condemned. Now you're in a love relationship with the Father. And he's love to us. The Father's full of joy to call you son or daughter. The Father's patient with you and gentle with you and faithful with you. That's the kind of relationship you and I have with the Father. And, and, and as we relate to the Father based upon the, what, the finished work of Christ and the fullness of the love of the Father, then that's going to flow from us to others. We're going to be dads who are patient. We're going to become husbands who are kind and who are faithful, not because the law of Moses says don't commit adultery, but because the love of Christ in us produces faithfulness. It's a better way to live. I'd rather live by the love of Christ on the inside than the law of Moses on the outside because the law of Moses brings condemnation and the love of Jesus brings transformation. And that's what Paul's calling the Galatians back to. And so he comes to this last verse. I think we now can understand the power of this verse. Galatians 6, 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, amen. He doesn't say the law of Moses be with you. He doesn't say the traditional teachings of people be with you. He doesn't say what your religious leaders told you be with you. He says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit internal. Your spirit personal. See, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. It's the eternal work of God through Christ where all of our sins are forgiven and we're completely righteous forever. And what Paul is saying is let that get into your spirit because whatever gets into our spirit will control us, right? If envy's in my spirit, envy will control me. If shame's in my spirit, shame will control me. If impatience and unkindness or regret or guilt is in my spirit, then that will control me. It will consume me. Whatever's in my spirit will consume and control. And Paul is saying, 
Galatians, you've let the law get into your spirit and it's destroying your relationships and it's destroying how you relate to God. And you let those men from Jerusalem get the law into your spirit. And now you're trying to earn what's free and you're trying to get what's given. He says, let the grace of God, of our Lord Jesus Christ, get into your spirit. Here's what that means. Let the truth that you're fully forgiven forever get into your spirit. Let the truth that you're righteous and clean forever get into your spirit. See, I talked with a guy about a month ago, and he said, Brad, I was sharing this with him. He said, this is so different than anything I've ever been taught. He said, I always thought that when I sinned, I had to go to God, confess it, get forgiven, and get right with God. I thought I was out of fellowship with God. He said, you know what? I've treated my children like that. He is now 17 years old for 17 years. That when my son blew it, I waited on him to come to me because he broke fellowship with me. And I wasn't going to be in fellowship with him until he came to me and confessed it and apologized and asked for forgiveness. And then I would forgive him and the relationship would be restored or fellowship would be restored. He said, this changed my life. He said, the day you told me that, he was in my office, he said, I went home and I sat my kids down. He said, I'm so, so sorry how I've treated you by the law for 17 years. And he's now relating to them in grace. He's given to them free, free forgiveness. They're right. Even though they did wrong, they're right with him. Even before they ask for forgiveness, he's already forgiven them, which says they don't have to ask. They just receive dad's forgiveness. It's life-changing. Let this get into our spirits. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.